thank you, Lord, for the service thus far. Wonderful, incredible. We are the recipients of your love and grace. Such a blessed people. Such a very fortunate people. Such a people that has been given divine help. We thank you today. We pray that you will bless this message, the messenger, the hearers today. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may have your seat. On my way down today, you can take that off. On my way down to church today, I was um, sent a text. And the text said, I didn't read it, I listened to it. So y'all don't think I was driving and reading at the same time. Was not doing that today. No, <laughs> no, well, I don't normally do that. Was not doing that. I have a Bluetooth and I can look at it. But the text said <clears throat> to me, it may have sent to others, Noah is trying to escape from the ark. Noah is trying to escape from the ark. That is what my nephew Shola said about his baby Noah that's about to be born. <laughs> I sent a text back to him when I got to church, says, has he landed on land yet? <laughs> he says, not yet, but I'll keep you posted. <laughs> They're at the hospital and looking for Noah to be born. <laughs> so we will let you know. He does have a sense of humor. I don't know where he gets it from. In your Bibles, turn please with me to Acts chapter 27. I will be reading verses 13 through 38. I want to say right now that I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. We will be at the church Monday, Tuesday for prayer, and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday we will not be here. We are going to take that time off, but you can pray where you are. But Monday and Tuesday we will be here for noon prayer, but Wednesday through the rest of the week we will not be here. Does anyone know in what testament the book of Acts is in? Somebody in the back said the New. Well, that's where we are. We're in the New Testament. I'm going to pick up at a couple of verses where I read last week and carry on through verse 38. Luke chapter 27, beginning at verse 13. And let me also say this, that we call every name when we hear on that prayer list every day. Every name on the prayer list we call every day. Even people that call in during the week. Sometimes there are messages on the answer machine. Sometimes people send me a text. Sometimes Sister Florence receives a word. We write them down. We pray for every name on that list. 
So I want you to know that your prayers are being prayed for, or your requests are being prayed for. We take prayer seriously. Acts chapter 27, beginning at verse 13, reading from the NIV. On the board will be a little different, but you can still follow along. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Weighed anchor means that they lifted up the anchors, brought them up so that they could sail. Sister Lene, if you tell your husband Kevin we miss him today, I notice that he's not here. Just let him know that I miss him. Dolores, maybe she took out, I saw, don't see Michael. Before very long, a, mi- a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together, fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Certes. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God of... Excuse me. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. Mm. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land, they took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, 
You have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. Now, that's a fast. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. As a title, as a title, as a title, write this down, please, if you are writing the title down, if you're writing. What I once valued, I now throw overboard. What I once valued, I now throw overboard. I'm going to give you the two points that I, the two main points that I will be speaking on. And, of course, there will be several uh, points under those. But the point number one, if you write it down, it is holding the ship together with ropes and getting rid of the cargo. Holding the ship together with ropes and getting rid of of the cargo. That's point number one I will address. And point number two, Paul, the right man on board. Life can truly be said to be a journey. I'm going to say that again. Life can truly be said to be a journey. There are many people who start off on the journey running full steam ahead only to realize that the journey was neither a straight line nor a straight course. Along the journey, many people were driven off course when the storms of life that were definitely on the horizon was not adequately prepared for. Many try to run this Christian life like a run 100-yard dash, running as fast as they can and hoping to reach the finish line before any major problems hit them. What looked like ideal conditions to reaching the finish line, which seemed just ahead when starting the journey, turned out to be an illusion, a mirage, and zeal without knowledge. The journey requires steady and prolonged planning because the journey is long. Some people think that it's all about wonderful things, all blissful. No. That's not the journey of the Christian walk. Many people weigh anchor because the conditions look optimal for moving. But time and experience can look past what the conditions seem to be and see the danger that is definitely down the road. It was not long before a major storm hit and knocked the ship off course. A thought just came to mind that I heard not long ago. And it says, and this is not part of the message as well, so I'm going to give this to you for free. (laughs) New information is old information happening to new people. (laughs) New information is old information happening to new people. 
There are people today that think and somehow this is a new day. We do things differently. Yeah, okay. Keep living and your kids going to tell you the same thing. <laughs> Point number one, holding the ship together with ropes and getting rid of the cargo. That would be taken from Acts 27, verses 13 through 20. It was not long before the captain, the owner of the ship, and the Roman centurion said, Uh-oh, uh-oh, we've got a problem. There are two things that we need to consider when not taking heed or listening to sound advice as we glean the experience from those who did not listen to Paul. Two things that we glean from them, that this situation, that one is there will be damage. There will be damage. And two, there will be a cost involved. When they failed to listen to Paul, they themselves exposed themselves to danger and damage and much loss. The church is a shelter that helps people navigate along the way. But one has to be careful in heading out into the open world unprepared for what is going to be thrown at them. We come to the church sheltered. And there are some people that's eager to leave and get going and do things, but they're not quite prepared. The shelter provides the teaching, the comfort, the training that one needs. But as oftentimes happens for new people coming into the faith, sometimes they want to run too quickly. Or people that have not adequately spent time with the Lord... Want to run into the world saying, I can do it. Only to realize that the open seas can be treacherous. Many people through what the conditions seem to be, stick their finger in the air to determine which way the wind is blowing. <laughs> and whatever the favorable way the wind seems to be blowing, that's the way that they go. Many people do so without counsel of seasoned saints. When Paul's advice was rejected because the condition seemed favorable, it was only a matter of time before they would hit the open seas. You see, in the open seas, you're liable to run into anything. You know that, right? Sharks, octopuses. <laughs> <laughs> you're exposed to danger that you're not always prepared to handle. When Paul's advice was rejected because conditions seemed favorable, it was only a matter of time. There's no shelter in the open sea. And these men on the ship are unprepared. They thought they were prepared because the south wind began to blow. But it was an illusion. It was a mirage. 
They thought they had gained the conditions for sailing. So they rejected the counsel of Paul and said, I think we can go now. And so they took off. Suddenly and unexpectedly, the word of God says, they were caught in a storm. And the violence began to beat against the sheep. Now you understand, this is Luke who's on board describing what's happened. The, the, the storm, this hurricane, was called the Northeaster. There was, in the Mediterranean, and they're going to be driven through the Adriatic Sea, tempest can come up all of a sudden. Once you, cut, once you get past those that, that lead, that shelter place, and those mountains that help protect the winds, once you get past that area... Oftentimes, you are then faced with winds of hurricane force. And once you hit that, you are then at the mercy of the sea. And there are times when our experiences, our life, is caught up in things that we had not adequately prepared for. And there we are trying to get back to land... But the harder we try, the further the storm takes us out of our way. You see, they, did, they didn't realize that there was going to be damage. They, they thought that we, we've got this cargo on board and we've got stops to make because there's money to be made. The storm beating against the ship led the sailors to pass ropes under the ship in order to hold it together. Some people are being battered by life and have, tr- and have tied ropes around their situation <laughs> just to hold it together. These ropes that were placed under the, under the ship served the purpose of providing only a temporary situation or solution to your problem. It could not and would not solve the problems that they were going to face. There are sometimes people that, there are some people today, and we all do it at times, we are tying yarn and thread around our situations. Trying to put ropes around that which is breaking apart. And we are pleading and looking at the ropes and says, please hold it together until I can get to the next stop. You're at the mercy of the rope and the situation. But if the person had waited just a little bit longer to wait for the right conditions, then they would not have suffered that type of loss. The next thing we note is that the ship was in jeopardy of sinking as it took on water and so they moved next to begin to throw the cargo overboard. (laughs) Imagine this. All the cargo that you put on board, that's on board, has a purpose. The cargo is there because it needs to get to the next destination. The cargo ain't there just to be looked at. There's a purpose in having the cargo on board, 
And that's what drove them to start the journey too soon. And so, they're now placing ropes under the ship to hold it together. And now what they once valued, they began to throw overboard. One of the very reasons why they weighed anchor and left was because of the cargo. Acts 27:18 says that the conditions were so bad that they were that they once that what they once valued they threw it overboard. When you look at at, at Acts chapter 27:18 you you come to realize that what we consider valuable really is not that valuable at all. When you begin to look at your life and began to look at what you have, you began to quickly decide what's more valuable. Your stuff or your life. People that are in the world today, they haven't made that discovery yet until the trials and times come. Right now, their stuff is more important to them than their life. But when the storms of life hit, it quickly becomes apparent what becomes more important. These men on board began to throw the cargo overboard. Whatever you are holding on to that is causing you to sink may need to be thrown overboard. Whatever you may be holding on to that's causing you to bob up and down and says, assistance. Assistance may need to be thrown overboard. The last thing that they wanted to do was to get rid of their cargo. Because that was the main reason why they wanted to get going. They did not want to wait until the winter, to, until after winter to sail. Because everything was loaded and ready to go. Be careful that when you made preparation but you didn't consult God that you don't leave too soon on your trip. Paul told them, gentlemen, it is not time to go because I can perceive there's danger. But the captain, the Bible says, and the owner of the ship, and even the centurion, Julius, said, looks okay to me. I think everything's okay. Got nice weather. The south wind is blowing nicely. It will help us as we begin to sail. I think that we can travel on. And so Paul, being a prisoner, has to say, Okay, I'm just giving you my opinion, which was more than opinion. It was a word of wisdom, I believe, from the Lord, and the fact that he had already been shipwrecked before. You, you, you see, when you've got problems, you quickly know what danger looks like. You quickly began to sense, you know, oh, I've been that way before. I, I want to avoid that. 
But evidently this, this, this captain of a ship and the pilot were, were one would think they knew the conditions and the time of the season that they would say, yeah, Paul, you're right. It's not time to go on this trip yet. But they thought they had obtained what they looked for. The value of what they had on board did not match the value that they placed on their life. This storm was a deadly storm, and the only way to avoid it was not to leave when they did. The condition looked good, and everything and everyone was ready to go, so they said, let's go. But later, they were forced themselves to toss their valuables overboard. Now, get this. They're in the storm. I was in a storm once. Well, more than once, but in Mexico, Cancun. And the rains can beat so hard in that area that you've got to pull off on the side of the road, right? You sometimes just got to pull over. If you're not used to driving in dangerous conditions, if you're new to an area, you've got to be careful how you travel. In Buffalo, New York, they got seven feet of snow, was it, just recently? Now they got a problem with the sun shining and got to deal now with that ice beginning to melt. You've got to learn how to navigate those dangerous conditions, especially if you're not used to them. I went to Washington, D.C. back in the early 90s, went back for a conference. I told you this. Some of you haven't heard it, so I want to tell you that those that heard it, you can just listen in. But I went back to Washington, D.C., to my, um, and I was going to a, to a, uh, a conference. But I wanted to go back early because most of my, my, my relatives are on the, on the East Coast, on so my mom's and dad's side, but my mom's side. And, and so that year, I went back to Washington, D.C., 511 Northwest Buchanan Street. Still remember that from a kid. Was that right? 511 Buchanan Street, yeah. That's where my grandmother lived. She bought my dad and mom when they got married a house. In fact, when they went there, it was a three-story house. About four bedrooms upstairs, down, and then a whole other part down in the basement. And they got there and handed them the key. This is yours. And my dad had to go, we can't stay. We got to go back to California, to the mud holes, to Marin City, he said. <laughs> it was a beautiful house. Beautiful, but they couldn't stay. It was a gift she gave to them. Couldn't stay. But on this 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 uh, trip, I was heading back for this conference, and and I heard that there was a storm coming in. So when I landed, I thought, let me get my car, get to a store. I just don't know how long I'm going to be in the house. So I get the car, go to a store trying to find my way. And at that time, I ain't got no GPS. I'm just, you know, GPS is spoiled. If I can't find nothing now, basically, without GPS. You used to go all over the place. No, I still can't, but I mean, you know what I mean, right? So I get to the store, and the storm started while I'm on my way. It started to snow. But I got the things that I needed, and made it back. 
Now, that year, my grandmother, Ethel, had come to California to visit her daughter, my mom. So I was there, and she was here. Gave me the key and everything. I thought, wonderful, got my own place, going to see my relatives. I opened the window the next day. I saw nothing but white. (laughs) The streets covered. My car under the snow. Okay, this is cool snow. Second day, same thing. I watched a little television. I'm the only one in the house making calls. Third day, same thing. I was stuck in the house for nine days. I hadn't planned for that. By that time, I was tired. I wanted to go. Hey, this is nine days. I can't go anywhere. And the moment I was able to leave, I was hallelujah, the snow's melting. (laughs) But I wasn't prepared for the snow. I wasn't prepared for the storm that had come in. I, I, I wasn't prepared to be in the house nine days, but this is what I did prepare. And I didn't know I was preparing with the Lord. I had just enough food to get me past the nine days. I didn't even know it. I couldn't go nowhere. Had just enough food to get through the nine days. Now, what would have been like I said, I'm going to go to the store tomorrow. I just go tomorrow. I'm tired. I just flew in. Ah, They got some big rats back there. <laughs> hey, don't say what you won't eat when you get hungry. <laughs> but the storms of life, the storms one has to prepare for. And it was only by the grace of God that he provided enough food for me to be in that place because I didn't know it was going to be that long. I would be that long in the house. These men are on this water having their cargo thrown overboard. They're valuables because anything that's weighted is a danger now to the ship. All of the weight, all of the things that they valued will cause the the ship to sink faster. And they began to throw everything overboard. There's some things in your life that you got to begin to throw overboard. And some of you are holding on things with tenacity. And it's sinking you. There are holes that these items was, were putting in the ship. And the ship was on the verge of sinking because water is getting in the ship. They've got to do everything that they can to lighten it. And they're on this water and they don't see sun nor stars for 14 days. Constantly being driven. Whatever hope they had in navigating that water, they were being driven by the storm. There are situations that you cannot handle on your own. There are things that people have placed themselves in a situation you can't handle on your own. And some of us begin to say, how did I get in this? 
This is where they are in this situation here. In a situation that they cannot get out on their own. Point number two, and I'll quickly be out of here. Paul, the right man on board. That's from chapter 27 of Acts 2, verses 21 through 26. And that is, we, we must never forget that God is in control. What was outside of Paul's control regarding the ship's departure, he is the one that the Lord is using. As the men are in despair and realize that they are going to die, because the Bible says after we kept being driven, we gave up all hope of ever being saved. Paul gives a message of hope because he is the one that has received the promise from the Almighty God. The reassurance, once again, that Paul receives from the angel of God is now the message that he gives to those on the ship. They will now be able to hear Paul even though there would not be much that they could do about the situation. This matter now is in the capable hands of the Almighty. Your relationship with God must be guarded with the utmost care. The saving of the ship is not the goal, but the saving of your soul is. We know four things about the visitation that the angel of God came with. Four things of this visitation. One, those on the ship are to be encouraged because of the encouraging word that Paul received. Do you not know that the angel said, Paul, take courage. In the midst of a storm, there's an encouraging word that says, take courage, Paul. That's the first thing because what it does, it lowers our fears and anxieties right away. Because you sometimes, if you got so much fear, you can't hear good news. You, you're going through stuff, you can't hear good news because you're stuck in that situation. So there's encouragement. The second thing that we note is Paul is not to be afraid of the storm because God is going to protect him in the storm. Do you, know, do you not know that God can protect you in the storm? And the encouragement is given to Paul. Evidently, Paul was afraid. And the angel gave a word to Paul and says, Paul, don't be afraid. You're under God's protection. The third thing that we note, he must reach Rome to preach the word of God. The Lord had told Paul back in Acts, back in um, when he was in jail, when the Sanhedrin had called, had, he had uh, went to stand before the Sanhedrin, and they had started fighting over Paul when he said that he was a Pharisee. And, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees began fighting. That evening, the angel of the Lord appeared to Paul and says, Paul, you're going to be going to Rome. The same word comes to Paul again in this situation on the ship. Do you not know there are times when you've got to be encouraged along the way? Don't forget the goal. Don't, don't forget where you're heading. Because sometimes the dangers that you begin to see will knock you off course and you will begin to focus on the problem rather than what God told you he was going to take you to. And the angel of the Lord came and gave Paul an encouraging word. He says, Paul, you got to reach Rome. Came and gave him the same word. you got to stand before Caesar. And the fourth thing that we notice, and God is going to save everyone on board because of you, Paul. There are 276 men on board. And the Lord says, Paul, every one of them, I've given to you. There's Luke on board with him and others. There are the prisoners, the captain, the pilot, 
Julius, the centurion, everybody, the sailors, all of them, Paul, God has given to you because you're on board. He says, I'm going to save them. Listen carefully. (laughs) Paul's relationship with God, and because God had a plan for Paul, the Lord graciously gave him those that were with him, even though most of them did not know God except a couple. Do you not know that there are some people that you have uh, family with or friends and some people you are praying for that God is holding back some judgment and some of the storms because you are praying for them? There are certain things that, that you have been praying for and God's hand of protection is helping and protecting and guiding them because of your prayers. So don't get discouraged when you're praying and you're not seeing the results. There are things that are happening in the heavenlies that God is doing that you are just to keep on praying. Do you not know it's not your, it's not your problem to solve the problem? It's not your um, decision? It is not even what God has called you to do to solve the problem? He called you to pray. He called you to do what he says. He says, leave the rest to me. And that's a wonderful thing. You do your part, and God can do his part. Godly living brings about God's protection in the midst of danger. To receive an encouraging word at this time would renew Paul's trust in God and give him hope for tomorrow. Because of what the angel of God said to Paul, he can now pass it on to the others and encourage them. This this world cannot give you hope. But this world can sure give you a headache. The world can't give you hope. The only thing the world can give you is a headache. While everything had been tossed from the ship, the message is that the ship, too, is going to be lost. But not a single person is going to lose their life. In the passages of Acts 27-38, through Twenty-seven, twenty-seven through thirty-eight. For two weeks, we said they did not eat. Can you imagine how weak they were? Can you imagine how much strength had been given just as they're sitting there trembling, and now they are sitting in despair? A word of encouragement comes, and then a word comes that you now must eat. <laughs> Do you not know that when Paul was on the road to Damascus and the Lord slapped him down off the beast? Told her now, get up, boy. Get yourself on to Damascus and wait there till I tell you what you're going to do next. He didn't say it just like that, but that's my version. (laughs) Paul didn't eat during that time. But when the word came from Ananias, Paul got up and ate something. Strengthened himself. And Paul tells these men, Men, you have been in constant suspense now for two weeks. You need to get something to eat because you're going to need the strength now for the journey. You're going to need the, 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 the food for the next part of the trip. If you don't eat, you can't survive. Today, people are eating a steady diet of gossip, a steady diet of pornography, fear, intimidation, And the list goes on. 
But the food needed for survival has been left to the side. Does anybody know what Deuteronomy 8.3 says? Part of that verse says what? <laughs> for man shall not eat, as my dad would say, biscuits alone. Man should not eat bread alone. Man should not live by bread alone. Excuse me, I said eat, live by. I need to go back and look at it. Man should not live by bread alone. And the Lord was talking about the manna at that time. The Lord gave them things to test them. But you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of or from the mouth of God. These men were given the word of God, and that was not good, and that was rather good for the soul. Now they also need physical food to make it to the next place. You are going to face danger, and what you eat is going to determine how much strength you have to make it. What you eat, get this as I close, what you eat will determine how much strength you have. What you eat will determine how far you go. Listen to me. The type of food you eat will determine the response you give. What you eat will determine if you're going to be successful. If you're eating the wrong thing, you're going to make the wrong decision. If you're eating the wrong diet, then when trials and times come, that's what your response is going to be based on. You need to eat the right food to be able to make the right decision. Spiritual food. What you eat is important. There's a person by the name of Abraham Maslow psychology that has its pyramid and talks about needs and talks about how one has to eventually get to self, I believe it's self-actualization. And you go through these various steps and God is nowhere in that pyramid. God's glorification is your goal. We're not trying to take, make it to the top of the pyramid. We exalt the one who was at the top, should be the one at the top of our life. What you eat, what you give yourself to. As I bring this to a conclusion, what these men once valued, they threw overboard. Even the food after they had eaten and had gotten strength, they now have to throw that overboard. The call for you today is, what are you having to throw overboard? Is it things that you once valued? As you walk this journey, as you go through life, what are you living for, doing? God's got a plan for every one of your lives. That's how incredible God is. All the billions of people. And the Lord has a plan distinctly for you. So as you go, make sure that you're walking according to what the Lord says and does.
we're going to conclude here. Please stand with us.